Welcome to another edition of Real Talk with Real People, a candid conversation with Dr. Caroline Bethia Jones, and I am your host. 2020, the year that had many of us fearing for our lives, mistrusting our government, and questioning our faith. And faith is defined as complete trust or confidence in someone or something. It is a strong belief in God or in the doctrines of a religion based on spiritual apprehension rather than proof. In the Christian faith, faith is the substance of what we hope for and the evidence of the unseen. In the Old Testament, faith describes the covenant between God and his people and the trust and belief that God would keep his promise. Now faith in Islam is the belief in the unity of Allah. Muslims believe in one Lord, and that is Allah, the Almighty. In Buddhism, faith refers to a serene commitment to the practice of the Buddhist teachings and trust in enlightened or highly developed beings. A connection to faith has long been recognized as having a deeply profound impact on emotional well-being. And 2020 has certainly challenged our emotional well-being. But throughout history, a connection to a higher power has been the cornerstone of empowerment that has sustained us. But faith without works is dead. So what must we do? through our collective faith in a higher power, to bring healing to a world that has been sickened by hatred, racism, inequality, and despair. Well, that is what I plan to discover in my candid conversations with men and women of faith and those who may have lost their faith. So join me as I seek to uncover the one universal law that will bring us all together and bring healing. My topic is religion. So how does religion affect the behavior of human beings? How does religion enforce moral laws? Some would argue that religion controls actions which limits our freedom. And speaking of freedom, how does free will play into people's attitudes? Well, the purpose of this podcast is not to vilify religion or downplay its effect it has on the lives of individuals who practice it. I am hoping that through our individual conversations and our individual religious experiences, we can spread love, hope, unity, and healing, as well as justice and equality to a world that is in desperate need of all of the above. Stevie Wonder says it well in a song when he says, that the world is in need of love today. I could not agree more. Now in my first segment on the topic of religion, I will focus on women and the roles that they play in our religious society. So today, my guest will be Pastor Geraldine Perry, founder of God's Pearls, an encouragement call line. Um, I have my first guest on the line, Pastor Geraldine Perry. How are you today? I'm doing wonderful, Dr. Jones. Thank you very much for having me. No, thank you for agreeing to have this conversation with me. And as I told you, this is going to be a candid conversation. So we're all friends here. We're going to relax and we're going to have the same types of conversations that we always have. How about that? 
That sounds good. Okay, so for my audience, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay. Well, I would say that I'm a woman of God who loves God and who's a servant of God. And I've been introduced to the Lord from a very young child. Um, I was my grandmother's first grandchild, and all I can remember is her taking me to Mount Olive Baptist Church, and that's when it all began. I remember a very famous um, hymn, um, I Am Thine, O Lord, and I remember that since I was a little, little girl, and it still is very precious to me. Um, we're doing ministry, my husband and myself, Pastor Thomas Perry, with New Generation Kingdom of Power. He birthed it. And now we're, um, you know, we're growing the ministry. We're doing work in the community. We do a lot of outreach. And whatever whatever we find our hands to do, that's what we do. So it's very extensive, the ministry. And it's a growing ministry, but um, it's not a mega ministry, but the anointing is mega. Amen. Amen. So you know that our topic today is women in religion. So we're going to talk about the role that women play in religion. So what role do you play in the church? I know you just mentioned that your pastor, is, uh, that your husband is a pastor, so that makes you a first lady. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, but you're also a pastor as well, is that correct? Yes, yes. My husband is the senior pastor, and I'm the executive pastor. And my role in our church is, being that it's a growing church, um, I find myself doing anything that needs to be done. And that includes um, cleaning the church before the saints arrive, bringing anyone who needs a ride in the area to church, um, making sure the sanctuary is in order, and that the people have the um, information that they need. I'm also um, responsible for the education part of our ministry. So the Bible study I'm responsible for, and my husband has a vision for um, eventually having a school. So um, that's, education is very important to us. Um, discipleship is very important to us. Uh, my role is really to walk, side my, walk beside my husband and to assist him and to be the arms that hold him up, to be the one to encourage him and um, keep him encouraged, keep him in prayer, and just assist in any way that I can. That's the best way to describe what I do. Um, whatever I'm... I'm I'm I'm, I think the saints would um, describe me as a mother, a spiritual mother, because I'm constantly guiding them from a motherly perspective, um, letting them know um, what what they need to do in order to help their growth, and um, always giving wisdom, just like it was given to me. Okay, that brings me to one of my questions that I have on the list that I was going to make sure I brought up, and that was. Um, how do women of the church, the elderly women of the church, or even older, I'm not calling you elderly, but how are the older women of the church um, reaching out to teach the younger women of the church? I mean, when we look at the world today, and we see so so many of our youth who are not involved with any kind of religion at all, in fact, um, they seem to be disinterested. But when we do have young people going to church, how do we keep their interest? What do you do, or even women in your church, what is the role that they play? How do they keep the young 
women interested and what do you do to encourage them and to prepare them to be godly women of the future so that they can take what they've learned from you and pass it on to their children? I would say, um, you know, when, when you're in ministry, you have to walk by faith, but you also have to have an ear for what God is saying. And what God is saying is love, to love everyone. And the younger people especially, show them love because it's amazing how showing empathy and compassion for what they're going through on their level, showing that you're paying attention when they're talking to you, being excited about things that excite them, letting them know that you will pray for them. That's one powerful thing. When you have that relationship where you, where you pray for them, from the smallest, the youngest, to the oldest, having a relation, letting them know that they have a place where they can come to where they can get prayed for and where they can speak to you and they can get um, wisdom from you and they can also um, confide in you, confide in you. If it's not something like a 911, something that their parents need to know about, but they can share some thoughts with you that they know that you won't tell the whole world because, you know, sometimes when they share things, it's real private to them. They keep coming back because they know that they can trust you. When I grew up in the church, um, there were older women in the church. I always respected older women. I always respected my mother always listening to wisdom because I always wanted to do what was right. Even though I made many mistakes in my life, um, I always, my desire was to do what was correct, what was right. I wanted to be good, even though, again, I made a lot of mistakes. But what I realized is that the women, especially when I went to Agape Christian Center, those women, they were, it's a non-denominational church, were the faith, but those women came from a Pentecostal background and they would pray with you. I was so troubled when I went there and I was so depressed and I was, you know, I was just going through a whole lot of things, but those women spent time. They spent time, not just praying, but also when they ministered, it was coming from a place of wisdom and we would just sit back. And that is so necessary for the children to know that you're going to pray for them. You're also going to teach them. It's very necessary. It's a part of discipleship. Okay. So when they do call them, um, disciple them. All right. And you just um, mentioned teach them. How important is teaching the scriptures to young adults? Oh, my God. Teaching the scriptures, teaching the word of God, letting them know the importance of the word of God is like inhaling air and drinking water is so crucial because what we let them know is that this word that we're studying, even though it might be a Sunday school lesson or um, for the adults, a Bible, school, Bible study lesson, even though it might seem like a simple story, it's biblically sounded. And these principles that we're studying are you, w- you will need for life, for good success in life. This word will be your foundation. This word that you teach. So we teach them the importance of hearing the word, meditating on the word, and applying the word. And we let them know how important the word of God is. If the word of God is our life, mm-hmm. it's a light. 
Okay, and, and, but what is the church's role in bringing, let's say, young women, because this is a conversation about women and religion. So what is the church's role in bringing women to a clearer understanding of the scriptures? As, and I say that because we know from times past it was not a normal thing for a woman to preach or even to teach. Um, teaching of the word of God was genuinely in the hands of men. And a lot of men today still feel that that's the way it should be. In fact, there are a lot of men today who still say what Paul say, that women should not speak in church and there shouldn't be any um, women handling the scripture. So my question is, we're in 2020. It's going to be leaving soon, and we're going to be in 2021 by the time this broadcast um, happens. So what are we doing? Um, what is the church doing to bring women into a clearer understanding of the scriptures? What did you do? How did you learn the scriptures to the point in which you could now go and teach it and be able to present it to another young woman and also encourage her to maybe take a bigger role in the church as a preacher or even a teacher, whether it's a Sunday school teacher or a women's ministry teacher. But I think you get the gist of what I'm trying to say. Okay. Um, what I did um, before I teach, let's start with that. Before I teach, I did go to um, um, a theological school. Um, but before I teach, because I, I believe that even though I went to the school, what I've learned was I was in a teaching, I was in a um, word ministry, a teaching ministry. So what I do, and this is me, I try to bring everything that I teach. First, I'll go over it. I'll pray. I'll go over it. And I'll ask God, like, what do you, what's the main points that you want us to get from this word? Because sometimes you're taught, and they keep it in the past. They talk about what the disciples did, what the apostles did back then, and they leave it um, there. So what I what I do is, me personally, I because I believe in application. That's what changed my life. I believe in teaching, teaching, and applying the word and having a conversation to see if. We're all on the same page with what the Lord is trying to say. Um, I think it's always wise to get the background, to get the culture, what the people were going through, um, you know, their line of work. That's always excellent to do before you start teaching. So you know when the um, apostles were teaching, um, what kind of culture they were teaching. They were teaching um, women. Women um, are nurturers, and women are necessary in ministry because um, men, you know, they have a role to play also. But um, women today and people of God today, because of all the, can I say, damage that society and this world has done, um, I think it's a benefit that women are coming up um, and used mightily in ministry because some people need to be nurtured with the Word of God. They need to know from a loving perspective, coming from a place of love, that God is with them. They need to be encouraged through the Scriptures. This, and they need, to, they need to know that this is not for, for 
just the past. It's for right now. This is a right now word that can heal, that can deliver, and that can set free. All right, then. Now, I don't know if that answered your question. No, it, it, it actually did answer my question. Because typically okay. when you go to a church, well, this has been my experience, so I'm not going to say typically. This is my typical experience. When you go to a church, you mainly hear sermons um, about the men of the church. There are the experiences of the men in the Bible, such as Abraham, Moses, David, even Jesus. But very seldom do you hear a sermon that specifically speaks about the roles of women. And it almost seems as though women had no role at all in the, in the bringing in of this gospel, especially Christianity. And a lot of women don't understand their own worth when it comes to um, spiritual things and religious things. And I think that women mm -hmm. have always been on the forefront of accepting um, this theology, especially Christ. I mean, even back in, in Christ's day, when the disciples actually almost criticized him for spending time with a woman, we, we know that woman to be the woman at the well, that he spoke to, and she was the first evangelist to go back and, and tell everybody about this man that she had this encounter with. So exactly. how important is it for a sermon to contain the experiences of women in the Bible. And I say that because, oh, yeah, I, I say that because one of my favorite um, women in the Bible when it comes to stories, I'm a storyteller, so I like to use the stories of the Bible mm -hmm. to be able to, like you say, encourage women to, to look within themselves and to always look to God for their help. And the story of Hagar, has always been a, a great story that I use. And I love the story of Hagar because you know the story mm -hmm. of Hagar, how she was mistreated yeah. and she took it upon herself to run away. Um, but it's, that's not the part of the story that is the most touching to me. It's the part of the story in which she realizes that she has been seen, that her pain and her suffering did not go overlooked. Yes, she yep. may have been in a village full of people who saw her being mistreated and no one said or did anything to help her. But she had an encounter with the angel of the Lord. And in that moment, she discovered that he is the God who sees me. Yes. You yes. understand? Oh, definitely. And it's stories definitely. like that that are powerful mm -hmm. for me, especially women and especially black women, because we are the ones who do go unnoticed unseen and and pushed aside as if we have no value but here we have a story that could bring hope to a lot of women who understand he is a god who sees me no matter how small yeah. i might be to everyone else so how important is it for a sermon to contain stories of women not only men and i would think that as a woman pastor there will be more stories being told in the pulpit by a woman about women. Do you agree with that or? Oh, I or agree not? a thousand percent. Um, one thing that I love about my husband is that he knows that I have a relationship with the Lord. And two of the two of my favorite books and two of the books that I recommend to most of the women that go to our church, because primarily, um, you know, I, I feel so I can minister to men, women and children. But when it comes to women, I always recommend Ruth and Esther. 
I just, matter of fact, one of the ladies in our church, I just recommended that she read the book of Esther because, first and foremost, Ruth is one of the most teaching. You can learn there's so many principles in the book of Ruth in regards to the faithfulness of Ruth to, Ni- to Ni- Naomi. You know, um, and you can learn there's so many principles in that. There's so many principles in work ethic, uh, working unto the Lord. There's so many have the benefits of working unto the Lord, you know. Um, it, it's just so many, and we don't have enough time to really go into all of it. But that is a major, major um, book that I recommend, the Book of Ruth. I've I ministered in both of them, Ruth and Esther, because I'm also um, taking it from a story perspective. Because it can bring it home. You can, you know, it, it just brings it home. It brings it alive. takes the, the um, words off of the page. But one thing about Ruth is Ruth had an option of going back home after Naomi decided to go back um, to Bethlehem. But I believe the nugget in that is that even though Naomi was depressed and grieving, I believe her representation of being a woman of God was so strong that Ruth wanted to follow her. And she and, and I believe she spent a lot of time having spiritual conversations with Naomi, if I could use my imagination. That's the only way that she would be able to follow someone who is feeling so much grief. Who wants to follow someone that's feeling so much grief and so much, you know, being just like down? It had to be something supernatural in that relationship. So that's one of the nuggets that I, that I received from that one. But Esther, I mean, Esther just brings up, it just makes you, your purpose inside of you leap. Just like um, uh, Elizabeth and Mary, it makes that purpose inside of you leap. Because Esther was the orphan, but um, Esther was given an um, opportunity to save her people. And so when we're in a situation like we are in the world today, and you read the book of Esther, you know, and you know your purpose, because that's what motivates me and my purpose, then you know that is that you are the one who has to go to the king, or you are the one who has to slay the um, Goliath like David. You're the one who has to go, come hell or high water, excuse my French, whatever the situation is, you have to be willing to lay your life down for the cause. Right. You know, that speaks so those are to, examples. yeah, that speaks to so many people think that they don't have, um, they don't have a calling on their life. Like they're not a prophet. They're not um, a preacher. They're not, uh, you know, whatever. But I, I think okay. what's important for us to understand is that when we, pour through the pages of scripture we see that God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things and I think when we're talking about the stories of the Bible those are some of the things that we can bring to the forefront that you don't have to be a scholar you don't have to be a PhD holder you don't have to be a preacher or anything that the world may deem to be great because God uses the ordinary he uses the ordinary so that People can see the power of God and not the power of people. And I think the stories in the Bible bring that to a point to me, and which is why I'm a storyteller and why I probably 
use the telling of stories to teach lessons because it shows you that even you, yes, even me, yes, even you, um, <laughs> Pastor Perry, can do something extraordinary. Even when you think that you're not in a position, the story that you speak of, of Esther, is where me and Kiana, my daughter, gets the phrase for such a time as this. Because sometimes we have these little nuggets that come to us and it's not the right time. And then in the moment when it is the right time and we are able yeah. to express that and we're able to share that and we are able to heal a heart or to, to encourage someone, to motivate someone, we look and we say, it was for such a time as this. Maybe that information wasn't in the time in which we received it, but it has a time, and it's for such a time as this. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. My thoughts, exactly. Um, it's always a set time. And even if you know your purpose, you still have to be in the timing of God. Yes. Because he'll give you something in your spirit, but it might not be the time. And he works in times and seasons. And sometimes things are not working, it's not jiving, it's not connecting, and it could very well be because we're out of the time or the season, because he works outside of time, he created time, so he's not dealing with time, mm -hmm. but we are. Mm -hmm. And what makes us, what's so interesting about it is, um, while we're waiting for the set time, um, he's allowing us to be prepared for whatever he has called us to do. Exactly. So all things are working together for the good, and we have to stay encouraged. See, the, thing, the main thing is staying encouraged through it all. Right. Even though you have something that you want to do, I'm sure you know because you've, you've been doing some great projects over the years, and you just have to stay encouraged and keep on going. Many people, because they're out of time or out of season, the timing is off and, you know, it's not the right time, mm -hmm. they get discouraged. Right. They get discovered instead of thinking that it's a time of preparation. Right. And that brings us to um, the next um, topic. The world today, you mentioned it earlier in your conversation, it just seems like everybody is kind of going crazy. It, if COVID wasn't bad enough, it just seems like we're separating. There seems to be this great big separation from doing the right thing. At least that's what we see. The television is full of it. Um, we look around us, it seems to be full of it. Do you think that we are moving away from religion? Or are we just going through a resurgence? What is your thoughts on that? It's very interesting that, that you asked that question because um, God is always up to something. And the more you pray and the more you stay connected with him, you know that um, he'll give you a glimpse. The Bible says we all know in part. So I can't sit here and think I know all of it. But the part that he gave me was this was a reset. It was a time for us to sit back and assess how we have been going on with our beliefs, with our religion, with our relationship. It's, it was time for us to sit back with our family life, with our relationships in our homes, with our children. Mm -hmm. It was a time for us to accept. What are we doing? We're the church. What are we? Are, are are we benefiting? Is anyone benefiting from what we're doing? Is it is it in God's will? And the main question is: It the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ? Okay. You know, it's a time of assessment because God is up to something. These are the last of the last days, and I believe that it's a time for 
those who are in prayer, the remnant, and those who have an ear to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church, for us to come together. We, we, were had, we all had our own little separate island, but I believe the Lord is calling for unity, because there's power in unity. And that's what I believe. I believe those who really have an ear to hear and really want to know the will of God will um, will will come together and unite. What and, and and some of us we don't believe in everything. We don't believe the same things totally. But that which we believe, the foundation of what we believe, the Lord Jesus Christ, the resurrection of Christ. That is the foundation which we can come together and do some things to help our communities and to help the world. Okay, but when you say that, then you're you're talking um, clearly only to Christians, because there are other religions in the world, and there are other people who are um, just as how can I say committed to the work that they do for God, and they don't include Jesus Christ in that. So. I know that you can only speak about Christianity because that's, and this is not a discussion for you to go off and speak about other things. But I, I just wanted to point it out so that other listeners on this um, call will also understand. We have religions of the world. We have different religions of the world. And what I do know about the religions of the world is that they all seem to have the same end goal, which is love. And you mentioned love earlier and how we are to love one another. So what do you say to um, anyone to heal the world? What do you say to someone who may not believe in Jesus Christ or who may not have a religion at all or who doesn't see the value in religion? We're trying to heal the world. So how do we, as women of God, and we're speaking as women of God, how do we as women of God who love God with all our heart and all our mind, body, and soul, and who love humanity, how do we bring a message of love to all of humanity when their ears are closed to what you may believe or what I may believe? How do we bring a message of love so that everyone can receive that? I know it's a hard question, but I'm going to give you a stab at trying to... It's really not a hard question, Dr. Um, Jones, to be perfectly honest with you, because God is love. Mm-hmm. God is love, and that's the foundation. And love, um, those who work uh, um, have differences, there's something about the power of love that brings us all together. And love and respect, because just because you don't believe what I believe mm-hmm. doesn't mean for me to be disrespectful and to um, minimize what you believe, because you believe what you believe because of, it could be your environment, how you, just like I believe what I believe, um, because I was raised up in Christianity. Mm -hmm. But um, one thing that I, because I have friends, the lady who does my taxes, she's a Muslim sister who I love Mm -hmm. to life. Um, One of my coworkers, he's a Muslim brother who I love to, Love to life. Um, you know, several people. I'm not looking. I'm not looking at that. I'm looking at the common, the common, um, factor. You know what that is? I'm here to serve mankind. Okay. With the love of God, that's what. That's my point of view. I'm loving on everybody. I'm I'm. You know. I'm. I. I embrace the different cultures. The man at the corner store. You know, I mean, I'm just, you know, because I love everyone. Okay. I love everyone. So 
So it's easy for me when you ask a question like that because I'm not in the place. I'm not the type of person who, because um, some people, you know, oh, they they do that, or they they I'm I'm better than them, or something like you know. I mean, some people might come from that perspective, right. but I'm a humble servant who loves mankind, and I'm about encouraging people, and I'm sold out on Jesus Christ because of what He's done for me. Okay, and I share my testimony when necessary. Okay, all right, that was a great answer. I want to thank you, um, Pastor. Um, Perry. I call you Jerry, so I have to go with your, you know. Jerry Perry. I know, I know. Um, but that was, that was a great answer. That was a very great answer because it is time for us to understand that we are all part of the same human family. And if we continue to keep destroying each other, we're going to destroy everybody. And yes. the only thing that's going to bring us to a place of even being able to heal is love. And I'm with you. I want to spread love. And that is what we do, and that's what we're going to continue to do. Is that correct? Dr. Jones, can I just intercept and tell you an example of what I mean? Sure. I was coming from a graduation, and it was downtown Newark, and I took the bus, and I was at the bus stop. Um, and it was a young lady, and she, and she was a Muslim sister. But she was on the phone and she was distressed. She hung up the phone. And I could say, oh, she's not a Christian, she's a Muslim, so I can't even, you know, that's that's out of my league. But I saw, I didn't see that she was a Muslim sister as much as I saw the pain, mm -hmm. the anguish. And I said, sis, first of all, I said, it's going to be all right. And then I said, can I pray for you? And you know what? She didn't say, oh, are you Muslim? She said, yes, you can, and we prayed on the street, Broad Street, downtown Newark. Why? Because it wasn't about um, religion, and you're different from me. It was about two sisters, one saw one hurting, and she wanted to make it all right and talk to God about it. Amen. That's my best example. And that's a great example. At the end of the day, we are all human, and at the end of the day, we all have hurts. And we just want someone to understand us, like my favorite heroine in the Bible, Hagar. We just want someone to see us. We want someone okay. to know that we exist and that we hurt too. And so I agree with you. So we have come to the end of our candid conversation, but I had a great time talking with you, and I hope that you had a great time talking to always, me. Always, always. We could talk for hours, but for the sake of the podcast. Yes, 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 yes. We can talk for hours, but um, I promised that I was going to keep my podcast at the minimum, so um, we're going to have another conversation later. I'm going to bring all my guests back in at the end of the year, at the end of next year, so that we can have a roundup of everything that I discussed because I'm going to have many conversations. I have um, a couple more guests that are scheduled to um, be recorded and we're going to um, share all that information with you later on. But I, I do want to thank you, um, Pastor um, Perry, for taking out the time to have a candid conversation with me. And um, I really do. I hope you come back. Anytime. Thank you so much. It's our, I really feel as though it's an honor and a privilege that God would use me in any capacity. Thank you. And I'm pretty sure that you are definitely an asset to not just your husband, but to the women in your church and the women in the community. I know that you've been an asset to me, and I thank you for...
being your godly self because I do love being in the company of godly women. So thank you. <laughs> You're very welcome. And thank you as well. I appreciate your ministry. Okay. And I'll talk to you next time. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, that is my show. Now, join me next month as I have another candid conversation with another special guest. And if you would like to have a candid conversation with me, Dr. Caroline Bethia Jones, please call the show at 862-235-0842. Or you can simply drop me an email at S-H-S-I-C-M-I-N-I-S-T-R-Y at gmail.com. That's S-H-S-I-C ministry at gmail.com. And we have come to the end of another episode. My name is Dr. Caroline Bethia Jones and I am your host. And just a little bit of information to give you about Sisters Helping Sisters in Christ Ministry. Sisters Helping Sisters in Christ Ministry is a 501c3 nonprofit mentoring ministry committed to forming a strong bond among women. For the purpose of encouraging, motivating, uplifting, strengthening, and empowering women to achieve their goals. This ministry works toward excellence through biblical studies, spiritual awareness, empowerment classes, and life-building workshops. This program was developed to encourage, uplift, educate, and empower women who have a desire to change their lives. All levels are welcome to attend. Hope to see you again next time with another edition of Real Talk with Real People, a candid conversation with Dr. Carolina Thea Jones. See you soon.